Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Fate Tech Podcast. Here we go. Uh, been a couple weeks since we released anything, and we're pumped to get back into a few conversations. Kind of the new pattern we're hoping for and aiming for right now is releasing something every other week. As you guys have been journeying with us, we just keep trying new things to figure out what's going to work best in terms of helping bring these uh, really cool, fun conversations to our global community. If you're new to Fate Tech, Fate Tech is a global tech community for Christ where we're trying to come together as a tech community to figure out how do we live out the gospel in our work, how do we build and create technology that can advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. In my conversation today, Luke Dooley, who is the executive director, president, CEO, whatever term we want to use, overseeing Ocean Program. It's uh, based out of Cincinnati, but they are doing amazing stuff in helping entrepreneurs build technology companies grounded in a redemptive, theological, biblical, gospel-centered way of creating. Uh, What's really cool about their program is there's a ton of people that are following the way of Jesus, but then there's some people that are not, and they are open to learning a biblical way of doing that. And so uh, we have been more and more getting to know Ocean and my conversation with Luke dives into all sorts of stuff around uh, how do entrepreneurs live out the gospel. If you're thinking of building something, anything, maybe you're working on the side, maybe you're talking with a few friends, or maybe you're further along and maybe you have a huge company, how do we even do that work and create in a way that is uniquely biblical, uniquely gospel-centered? And those are the kinds of questions Luke and I dive into. So hope you enjoy this conversation. We'll talk to you at the end. Peace. Hey, everybody. Um, Man, Luke, this is awesome. I'm so thankful that we get to actually record a conversation that we've had. You know, we've known each other for a couple years now. Uh, Faith Tech, Oceans, we've been talking more and more about how do we work together, partner together, create together, take our networks that God's entrusted to us and blend them together in some, some form. And and so I just love that we get this chance to actually sit down in this recording environment suddenly and go, man, let's actually unpack the way that um, God's been teaching you and oceans and um, how do we think about, you know, life as uh, as Jesus following, Jesus loving entrepreneurs, building products and businesses together, man. So love you, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Uh, I echo all that with you. It feels like it's been a long time coming, and I've had a ball just getting to know you and your team. And uh, we feel, we've told this to you guys privately on calls, we just feel such an affinity for the community mm-hmm. at Faith Tech. And so it's fun to start to find more avenues to, to do good stuff together. Uh, you know, one of my whole like life philosophies is the more good people I know, the more opportunities I have to do good things and help them do good things for one another for the sake of the kingdom. And so I, uh, I love having wonderful people in my life like you that, that are part of great things because I just think there's, uh, you know, there's endless opportunities to find cool connections and opportunities to, to serve and grow and build alongside each other. And, and uh, we're pumped about that with you guys, man. Yeah, man. Well, I know um, one of the questions I want to ask you is around, like, how do we even think as people who follow Jesus 
in a biblically scripture grounded way to build products and to build businesses. But this idea of like Jesus following entrepreneurs, this Christian entrepreneur network and ecosystem is going to be really new for a lot of people listening to this. Can you unpack like what is going on? <laughs> like there's a bunch of different organizations and, and and people that are passionate about helping people who build businesses um, do it in a way that is fundamentally Jesus centered. Can you almost like build out the landscape of what this is, who's doing what, who's out there? That'd be so helpful. Yeah, I'll do my best, right? I don't know that I'm the global <laughs> authority on the topic, but you know, I've been around it for a little bit. And and I'm again, I'm lucky to be in some circles with a bunch of really impactful people that have been doing it, a lot of them longer than well, much longer than I've been doing it. And we've learned a lot and there is a cool collaborative ecosystem for what is relatively a new idea. So I think an important distinction to to draw is like there's a difference between the faith and work world and the faith and entrepreneurship world. They're really complementary. They're really additive. Um, there's a really nice, I think, flow from one to the other. But the faith and work movement, that's been around for a little while, right? There's people like Steve right. Graves who have been doing that work since the 80s. Like these, these guys are titans and rock stars of sort of the, the conversation around faith and work. Like back when people were making print magazines, there were faith and work magazines, <laughs> right? So, really? Nice. Yeah, totally. And so that, that's, um, that's awesome. And it's almost like that was, that, you know, a, a necessary prerequisite. And then if you just think about... Um, as time has gone on, right, and as entrepreneurship has become such a, I don't know, a, an inflectionary conversation. Is that a word, inflectionary? <laughs> I'm going to go with it. Uh, such, such a hot conversation in the world, um, and not even just in America, right? Um, and, and a lot of that's been driven by the rise of technology, by the rise mm. of accelerators like Y Combinator and tech stars and different communities and ecosystems being birthed, you know, even in Cincinnati where I live and where Ocean, Ocean sort of has a little bit of our home base, um, there wasn't really a robust entrepreneurial ecosystem in Cincinnati uh, in like 2012, right? And and so this is not a, a massively new um, or old old movement, the entrepreneurship ecosystems in general. And then I think as you then niche down into like faith-oriented or faith-driven entrepreneurial ecosystems, it's even newer. And so here's how I would paint the landscape. There's there's some incredible organizations all around the world doing this work. Um, a few years ago, some friends in South Africa and the UK and here in the US and in Israel, we all started uh, spending a little bit more time together, formed a, a Slack community and a Zoom community that we would get together on regularly, mm. called it Global Collaborators for lack of a better name. And it was just this, hey, as we identify and find folks doing work in this entrepreneurial landscape through this sort of redemptive lens or through a lens that is like, hey, th there's a different way to go about this conversation and equipping entrepreneurs. Mm. So global capacity building organizations with a faith, a Christian faith-oriented lens. How many of them are there? And we just started finding one another and adding people to the Slack and mm. the Zoom. And right now there's around, I, I, at last I looked, I think it was like 86 or so. Mm. And look, surely there's more. And surely someone's going to hear this and go, oh, I know of people doing this in the 80s. I would never again claim that that 
anyone started this other than God, right? And so I'm sure the churches have been running little incubator programs, or I'm sure that in different yeah. communities, there's been really cool flourishing things happening. But in terms of like the bubbling, I think it's about a 10 and a half, 12 year old movement kind of. Praxis is a is a conversation, an organization that's sort of a um, you know a, a well known brand and a voice in this space, creating a lot of programming and a, a lot of content around this idea of kind of redemptive entrepreneurship. They're about ten and a half years old. Uh, Synapis does great work in emerging markets. Um, I think they were launched in two thousand twelve, if I recall right. Ocean was started in about two thousand thirteen. The organization that I lead. Um, there's great work out of the UK called Creo. Um, that my friend Duncan and Rich that they lead. So there's there's stuff in Cairo and Israel and all throughout Africa and Latin America. There's blue fields in Brazil. Um, I, I shouldn't have started naming organizations because I'll end up leaving <laughs> so many off, right? Like there's the great work that Balaru does in Mongolia and um, uh, and Christine in the Philippines. Like there's just so many great things out there. Mm. And uh, it's cool. There's a great collaborative ecosystem. And everyone sort of does things a little bit different. Everyone sort of has their take. Um, I think we share a lot of common theology, a lot of view on the world, a lot of approach around entrepreneurial um, uh, needs and equipping and, and the big opportunity. Like if you were to talk about like, man, there's this huge opportunity to do um, culture shaping by equipping right. and releasing entrepreneurs uh, and to see entrepreneurial work as um, a frontline agent in uh, the God's, you know, redemptive and, and restorative plan, if you will, um, to, to, to make all things new. And man, entrepreneurs are doing that really practically in the world and in and through the marketplace. And so everyone has their own unique spin and lens and region and way and people group they serve. Um, for us here at Ocean, obviously I can I can talk most you know directly about what we do. We serve yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, a lot of different entrepreneurs um, with really practical training programs at. Uh, typically kind of the earliest stages uh, of, of, of the movement kind of. So we would be sort of way in the pipeline of like the dream phase, the launch phase, like the incubation acceleration phase uh, of, uh, of an entrepreneur. So this is folks that are going, I think I want to start a thing, but I don't know what it is. How do I go start mm. to get some tools and some, some, some plan for that? Or I just started a thing and man, it's really hard. I need help. I need training. I need community. I need people around me. Or man, I'm, I'm marching towards this launch date. I'm going to quit my job in December and launch this thing in February. And I know I'm going to need help. And so um, we, we serve with really practical training programs. We do that for high tech entrepreneurs. So high tech or tech enabled, high growth venture capital backable businesses. We run an, a, an entrepreneurial accelerator program um, that's been going once a year for, for about eight years. Uh, so we have eight mm -hmm. classes or batches of that program. And then about four years ago, we launched a program called Genesis, which serves entrepreneurs of all types. Aspiring entrepreneurs, artists, creatives, um, small business owners, brick and mortar retail, uh, lifestyle brands, service brands, all kinds of different things. We had about 350 alumni in that program, mm -hmm. and uh, that's online, and, we, and it's a the accelerator is about 20 weeks long and Genesis is about nine weeks long. And then there's all kinds of additional community things that revolve uh, in and around those things as well. That's sort of adjacent to our work. Yeah, that's cool, man. Luke, that's awesome. And I think what I love about this whole general movement that's taking place is there's this um, really deep hunger 
that sits when I get to meet all of the leaders of these different organizations is the, the consistent thread I see is there is a deep belief that when we build a product and we build a business, you can do that in a way that is not helpful or anti-Jesus. And then there's a way you can do that is like fundamentally Jesus-centered and in the way you strategize, the way you operate the business, the way you lead it, the way you um, even have culture within your organization. And so I think what I love is that there's that unity vision that uh, all of you guys have around wanting to do that for you guys. What, like, I think the big question here is that sounds cool, (laughs) but like in practice, how does somebody, and how are you guys training somebody to say, I want to build a product like for faith tech, we're building tons of products as a kind of a community of volunteers creating right from that, like, problem state to a validated prototype how do we do that in a uniquely biblical jesus-centered restorative redemptive way like how does that play out in what you guys are teaching your uh, entrepreneurs right kind of the earliest stage yeah no that's great and you're scratching at some stuff that's i think really important to talk about right and it, it's it's so interesting because you this conversation could go a million different ways. Where, where do you even begin to to pick that up? I think what's important to say is that that um, uniquely Christian businesses or products like like how do you even talk about that? Like we hear that for, like oh is it a Christian business? Like, like, <laughs> it's like probably it's like probably music. like you. Yeah, right. it's like I don't I don't necessarily know if I know what that means, right? right. Because here's the reality. I think you could be meeting a, di- a distinct need that would be like a gospel-centered need, and you could be doing that in a way that was not gospel-centered, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could be bringing water to people in nations that lack clean water, and you could be doing that inherently gospel, least of these activity, mm-hmm. right? And you could do that in such a way that it was destructive, and chaotic and unhelpful, right? Maybe there's there's some part of it that's helpful, because but but maybe in the processes or the culture, like you're talking about, the delivery or the system or uh, right. the, the way you operate with people, maybe it's actually not redemptive. Maybe it's actually not gospel oriented and centered, biblically grounded or rooted. I think, as you said, um, mm. maybe the outcome is. So then you get into this really interesting philosophical conversation, right? Of like, well, then if the outcome was good. Hmm. Is it like if the means is or if the end is good, does the means matter? <laughs> you know, and it's right. like I think it all matters, right? Because I think that the converse of that is you could have like a B two B SaaS business that wasn't inherently like quote unquote Christian or redemptive or whatever, right? And man, it could be a really like a like a bastion right. of the gospel, right? That could be mm-hmm. a place that that offered flourishing to employees and partners and the world around it just based on how it operated, based on how it showed up, based on the way the product was built and marketed and sold and the ecosystem around it was cultivated and treated, um, that it could be a redemptive agent in the world. Mm. And it's like a software platform, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So... I don't know, man. That's that's an interesting discussion, right? And that yeah, that requires us to get into the practical, right, and not and, and escape the the theoretical. Um, and that's where it gets interesting because, like, I, I don't know, and I know at Ocean, like, we don't want to be prescriptive. Of right. in order to be 
a, a good business, a Christian business, or re, you know, redemptively, or, you got to look like this, 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 and this, right? We yeah. want to be um, descriptive more, right? Hey, it looks like this, and like paint with some colors that you know, like like mm. this. And but in each of your individual products and cultures and platforms and tools and businesses, it's gonna it's gonna take on its own shape. Um, because I think there's so, there's so many relationships that touch a business, and there's so many layers there, mm. starting with the fo- the founder. It's like in the heart of a founder, I think, is where it all begins. Um, I think, especially if you're a founder who fo- is a follower of Jesus, you have this dream, you have this thing in your heart, and 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 how do you cultivate that? How do you bring that forth into the world? Um, how do you hold it tightly with closed fists or with open hands, understanding that you're just a steward of this dream, like? The one who put the dream in your heart cares more about the dream than you do, right? Mm. So I think even beginning from this orientation of I'm a steward and this isn't mine. Okay, great. You're beginning to cultivate the soil of what would it look like to have an inherently biblically centered, grounded, rooted business or startup or product idea. Um, and then, and then, okay, then what's the some of the next layers, right? Well, let's talk about scarcity. So then, do I hold it tightly with a scarcity mentality or do I think that the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills owns this dream and this product that I'm building, this, this startup. Man, now all of a sudden we're talking about abundance, right? Mm. So I think when you operate out of that founder's mindset and out of that, that sort of foundation, you're beginning inherently to kind of have the kind of culture and the kind of uh, foundation that will, will lean and walk towards a more redemptively oriented brand or business or startup. Because one of the things we say a lot at Ocean is, look, there's a lot of ways you can go start a business. And almost right. all of them are chaotic and destructive to you, mm-hmm. your soul, and the people you love most. And then we think there's some other ways. And we happen to, you know, maybe there's a lot of other ways that are, are good or better or healthy or more sustainable. We happen to believe that a way rooted in the way in the person of Jesus is the most um, fulfilling and best for the world, right? Yeah. Um, and so, man, then it gets into product. I'll show you, business, you know, hey, it, the, the simplest way I think you can talk about is, is it biblically, is it part of the biblical narrative? Like, is it, does it fall in line with what God is up to in the world through the arc of mm. history? Is like, well, does it leave the world better than you found it? At the end yeah, of the day, is there, a people, is there a people group who would say, my life is better, the world is better because I encountered this business? And that's such like a simple but profound concept. I was just out with my son who's six years old and we were at this restaurant. And so we eat, yeah, we're making a mess, you know, cookie everywhere. And you're like, oh man, you know, and then we're leaving and I'm like, hey buddy, we're going to clean up. So we're cleaning up the table. And then I noticed like just a few little pieces and we're walking away. I'm like, hey bud, like we go back and, and our phrase is always, we leave the space better than when we got here so that we bless the next person who comes. And so I'm like saying this phrase to him all the time, everywhere we go. He's probably super annoyed, right? He's like, dad, come on. But at the same time, like this basic principle is so beautiful and profound. And so I love that you're even talking about like, you know, we get to this product level of like what we're actually building. Is it, is it bringing something better to this world than when we came into it. Yeah, I love that example. Um, two things come to mind out of my own personal life. We, I took my kids to Waffle House. Do you guys have Waffle House in Canada? Uh, not that I can. I know Waffle House. Yeah. I, I can't picture it. <laughs> I can't imagine you do. 
Um, it's it's the best. If if you're not in the U.S. and you don't know Waffle House, it's, it's just a phenomenon. And look it up. Um, okay. Took my kids there. We just had food and eggs and hash browns and stuff everywhere. And same same thing, right? It was like, guys, we're we're cleaning this up before we leave, right? It's not right. someone else's job. It, it, mm. it may be on their job description, but like there shouldn't be an expectation that we we cast mm. our mess onto other people's like our burden onto other people's plates, right? And so we did it. And as I was leaving, this this older gentleman who was wearing like a, you know, a, uh, I think a Vietnam hat, clearly had served in military. Mm. He kind of grabbed me by the arm and he said, "Young man, thank you for raising up those kids the right way." <laughs> it wow, was like real. He was like cool. very like he was very moved by watching me, wow. a young father with my little ones, picking up the mess. He's like. I've never, like, no one ever does that, you know? Um, And those things, like, they, they, I think they mark our kids. So, like, man, Mm. I I, I think they mark our kids, right? It's like one of those binders of, like, Mm. okay, what does it mean to be a a, a servant? What does it mean to be a Mm. follower of Christ, right? Um, And then a funny little side note to that is years ago, I was in college, and I went to a, um, a conference. And the worship leader, Matt Redman, was speaking, if you remember Matt Redman. Yeah. And um, Matt, he, I, I, I curse him to this day because he told this uh, thing that the Holy Spirit had laid on his heart a long time ago. And he's like, I, you know, he kind of did the old, like, I'm going to say it out loud and, and maybe you'll be afflicted the way I've been afflicted. And so I keep make, trying to make other people be afflicted, like Matt afflicted me back when I was 18 years old. He said, I can't go in a public restroom and not clean it because, mm. like, I, I, I've was in there one time, I would use the restroom, and I'm walking out, and I was like, this place is gross. And uh, mm. God was basically like, yeah, and you did nothing about it, man. <laughs> you mm. you played no role in leaving this space better than you found it, right? Wow. And so I always joke and tell people, like, if you're ever with me and I, like, go to the bathroom <laughs> and I'm in there for, like, an awkwardly long time, <laughs> it's because I was probably cleaning it because I am afflicted by the Holy Spirit to, to clean toilets in public restrooms. Um, and so, but, like, that's, like, a funny little thing, right, of, like, what what does it mean to, not, to, like, leave spaces better than we found them or to build things or to, to create um, you know, products or programs or um, experiences that that call out the best in people. You know, mm. um, we have some founders out of our last batch. They're building a productivity cool. It's called Bosa App. It's really cool. How do we? How yeah. do, how can we be more productive? And it's, it's a really different way to think about productivity, not from like an ego mm. and a um, um, outputs sort of oriented thing, but an outcomes oriented thing. Mm. And, and they're just great founders. They're incredible people. And uh, a really simple lens as they're building product. They say, will this make people more like Jesus or less like Jesus, Hmm. right? Will this put people on the hamster wheel of the consumeristic world we live in? Um, (sighs) Will it prey on our most carnal desires or will it offer them respite? Will it offer them a chance to breathe and more deeply connect with the people around them and have margin in their life um, and have space for, for relationships that maybe they lacked before? Right? Is the instances, is the is the UI, the UX, the the tools, the the feature set we're building, bringing them closer to the person yeah. of Jesus or not? And this is not a Christian productivity app, right? Yeah. But it is a productivity yeah. app being built by two deeply devoted Christian people. Yeah, and it's even like I know for us as Faith Tech, uh, uh, there's a bunch of people that are software developers, coders, right? And uh, I'll get into conversations and say, when we code, even. And we're building something. You even think of code and it's like you're building it 
typically someone else is going to take that code over if you leave or you pass it off or you hand it off, right? And if you want others to collaborate with, you have to build it in such a way that makes that collaborative. And you get to choose, do I want to do this like the quick expedient way that's going to kind of get me further in the organization? Or can I build it in such a way that it blesses the next person to come? That it's such good, high quality code that I've created that the next person who comes along goes, oh, this is sweet. This is good good to work with. This is simple to work with. This person was diligent and made sure that whoever came next, it was easy for them, uh, easier for them. And I think that translates into, you know, the documents we build in the back end of our organizational structure. Is it just tossed together or is it built in a way that whoever comes after me or a collaborative colleague comes with me? It's simple. It's laid out. It's explained easily. And always having that like collaborative or others, you know, that other person in mind uh, when we build and create, I think that's the, that's that shift in our thinking that I think as anything we create, that's so fundamental. Right. And so what I think is key to understand about that, that shift, right, is it's always about people, right? Hmm. Like, it's always about the person that comes after. It's always about the person who will experience the end product. And that touches all these examples we get. Like, me cleaning up a bathroom and wiping down a toilet is not about me or, like, you know, whatever. It's about, you know, the next person that walks in there, that they might have a more pleasant experience than I did, right? And it might make a difference in their day, that if they're having a bad day, that somehow, if it was a really gross experience in there, their bad day would get worse. And who knows what the waterfall effect of that would be, right? Um, And maybe that's just a a little redemption in their day, right? And Mm -hmm. the code base being really high quality, maybe that's a little redemption in that person's job when they're starting a new job and they're digging in, they're going, oh man, I'm sure this is going to be a disaster. And they get in there Mm -hmm. and they go, wow, man, Mm -hmm. the culture of this place produced an employee, who built something this rigorous, holy cow, that's going to change the way I show up to this workplace now, right? That's going to change the posture I take as a new employee here. And and then it touches all layers of what we do. It touches marketing, right? The end user, right? It's about people. Are you marketing so that that end user sees your clothes, your apparel, your thing, your sunglasses, whatever, and goes, oh, man, I'm not good enough if I don't have that. I'm not sexy if I don't buy that. I'm not accepted by my friends or the culture around me. Like I am less than because I lack that in my life. If that's how you build marketing campaigns, you're preying on the most carnal um, human desires that are, you know, lust and, you know, covetousness and all these things. Or you can build in such a way and market in such a way that says, you know, brings out the best in people and says, hey, this is an opportunity. This is, this is a, a yeah. you know, a, a way to kind of contribute or, you know, to have something more uh, that's going to, to bring out the best in you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. One of the ways I've been trying to think about this as it relates to technology, and both you and I are, you guys are focused on technology startups. Um, obviously, we're thinking a lot about technology is, Uh, This kind of way of thinking about this, and I think you already got into this, Luke, when you you first started with the person, the entrepreneur, you definitely landed with like the the end product, what gets built. Um, You can help me understand maybe what was in between that if there was a third. But uh, the way I've been looking at this is like you have the belief set of tech, you have the methods to which 
we build the technology and then you have the tool, the end product. And I think what we're trying to do right now is think about each of those, each layer of like, uh, how do we go about the belief that the entire tech industry holds that is also sometimes contrary to the way that Jesus views things, right? So one of the things when I look at that layer is um, how do you guys like navigate this with tech entrepreneurs? Because the belief set of tech, if you're building a tech product, is hockey stick growth or you or that's it, you know? And it's like you can bootstrap it, but, you know, you didn't get the two million from the angel investor. And that's what's actually cool. And and what you're after is really an exit. And if you exit, then oh, that's another you know thing on your shoulder. You can go, man, I've exited two companies and, you know, and we built this thing with this speed, this fast. And I think that temptation is like where it that's just not a biblical way of viewing um our purpose and why we build things and how we impact people and and so i just wonder like how do you guys navigate that with entrepreneurs in tech that are gonna have to try to discern what is jesus in building a tech company and what is uh the world you know that is proclaiming a truth to us that simply isn't true about how you build a product in a, in a business. Yeah. I, again, I think it's descriptive, not prescriptive. And I think there's just that opportunity to, to continue to call out, to call entrepreneurs, founders, tech leaders to go. Um, there, there's not a single path, right? Maybe you are going to be on a hockey stick growth path and raise a ton of capital and you find yourself in that rat race of, man, like high expectations, high returns, high delivery, um, you know, and, and I, got, I got a lot of stakeholders, a lot of people I got to keep happy. I'm thinking of dozens of people in my mind right now that are deeply devoted followers of Jesus that are running businesses like that, right? Mm. And they're proving along the way, you can do that and not lose your soul. Mm. You can do that. You can, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, what good would it do a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And I ask people all the time, ask entrepreneurs all the time, what good would it do you to build the next tech unicorn and lose your soul? Hmm. It would do no good. If I gave you a deal with the devil right now, if I slid across the table a contract that said, you will exit a billion dollar company, but it will cost you your relationship with your spouse and your children. Would you sign that deal? I've never had an entrepreneur even think about it. <laughs> I've never had someone right. go, yeah, I might. <laughs> you know, It's like, no, of course not. Well, then why would you start down a path that has that as a likely outcome, frankly? Suicide, anxiety, depression, divorce, relational ills, social ills, mental health ills, all over index in the entrepreneurial population compared to the general population. This is a highly likely outcome that you will mm. end up in that position. So, man, you better have a plan from the get-go that doesn't lean towards that outcome because the reality is that is the landscape that we're in and in, in, mm-hmm. in, in the high-tech venture-backed startup space man oftentimes like as soon as you raise capital you put yourself on a different treadmill sure you yep. could yeah like you said you could boot, and i know also some great companies that were bootstrapped right and that are being bootstrapped and are and and again there's not a right path Depends on what kind of business you are. Depends on what your 
capital needs are. It depends on probably your family of origin, what your personal financial situation's like. Like there's so many factors here, right? Um, many of them systemic and equitable and, 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 and some of them um, not. Some of them just like if you're building a med tech um, solution, you're going to have to raise a lot of capital. Like there's almost no way to do medical without raising tons and tons yeah. of capital, right? Um, so then how do you operate in that landscape? How do you operate in that ecosystem differently? Yeah. So I have a friend. He's one of our board members, Tim Metzner. Tim's the founder of an insurance tech company called Coterie Insurance. Tim is an entrepreneurial stud, rock star. He, he's one of the founders of Ocean. He started Ocean, you know, nine years ago. Kind of had one of the guys that had the original dream of this organization and has had multiple startups and all kinds of cool stuff. And he's leading this really fast-growing insurance tech startup. They just raised a Series B of like 50-some million and all this kind of stuff. Tim just took eight days and went to Canada with his wife off the grid hiking through Banff and Calgary, right? Um, Beautiful. That is not normal behavior for mm. a fintech, insurance tech startup founder, <laughs> right? Mm. But Tim has an abundance mentality. Tim's built an incredible culture. Tim and his co-founders have a team that delivers at a high level that have agency, that have been empowered, that know the expectations, that are loved, um, mm. that have high loyalty because of the kind of leaders they are. And when you lead like that, right, you can model what it looks like to have healthy rhythms. You can mm. say, man, we work really hard around here. And I'm going to go to Canada for eight days. <laughs> Feel totally fine right. about that. Um, yeah. And so that gets back to like when we're working with founders, we're going Let's just talk about your life. Let's talk about mm -hmm. your plan. If you're a, if you're a mother of three kids building a, uh, you know, platform, it's going to look different than like the single guy that's 25 building building a SaaS tool. He might be able to work 90 hours a week and yeah. feel great about it, and you know, volunteer or serve or you know, go on the occasional vacation. And, and, and his rhythms of rest, his sustainable things are going to look different than yours. It's not prescriptive, it's descriptive. So I think always understanding what are your, um, what are the traps? What are the things that would, would introduce mm. immense amounts of worry in your life or would lead you toward unhealth, would walk you down a path of, um, of uh, you know, turning away from the things that would, would indicate, mm. man, you're living a full, whole, healthy, flourishing life and understanding what those things are and having a plan yeah. to mitigate them, right? So in how your do you, life how do you, is so important. Yeah, so I know I don't want to venture down too much of the prescriptive because I know you want to well, No, but we say, can get into some of that. But that'd be great because I think what's what, even like going through some examples of what you guys have seen from healthy, Jesus-loving entrepreneurs that are building products. And again, this is going to translate so well to anyone that's working in tech, working in ministry, going, it's just so much demand, so much pressure. There are biblically grounded practices yeah. that God has set for the human race to help us flourish in his kingdom here on earth. And I'd be so interested if you've got some ideas on like, and again, this might, if we go through some people will be like, nah, it's not for me, but the other ones will be like, that ah, just hit me, nailed me. So what are some of those that we can unpack together? Yeah. I think it, I think this conversation kind of starts and finishes with identity, 
right? And so uh, the entrepreneurial trap of um, losing yourself in the midst of it happens at the core because, you know, I think it starts with identity that leads to isolation and loneliness. And when you, when your identity is not deeply and firmly rooted in a place of significance, uh, eternal significance and the Imago day, um, you're going to walk most likely down a road of that's going to lead you towards more loneliness, more isolation, more ego driven, self driven. And then you get in this spot where burnout happens or toxicity happens or cultural pariah or whatever, right? So, right. man, I think starting at identity, so so who are you? So at Ocean, people will say, so is it like, so is your work evangelistic? So you guys like telling, like, what are you doing? Are you trying to get people saved? Because at Ocean, our programming is ecumenical. We bring in people who are Christ followers and we bring in people who are, are non-religious and people of other religions. Um, and we deliver from a uniquely Christian perspective. And like, well, how do you do that? What's that mean? So I'll just give some examples. In our accelerator, week one, we all get together, a bunch of people that don't know each other, and we're coming together for welcome week. And our program manager will model for folks this this uh, reading or this experience called um, Where I'm From. And James yeah. is uh, from, from India. Uh, he's an Indian guy that's lived in America about half his life, in India about half his life. And he'll start out, and he'll say, I am from the playground in Oakland being called chocolate milk by my white friends and then moving back to India and being called white brown boy by my Indian friends. Mm. I am from never fitting in. And he goes on for about five minutes and he begins to talk about um, his childhood and and his family of origin and good things and bad things and hard things. And he's modeling transparency and he's modeling, I am way more than this job title. And I am way more than this role. And I am a whole person. And I have to be able to bring that whole person into this, into community with you, and be vulnerable with that in order for this to work. And then over the course of a week, 20 founders will do that. And it's Mm. beautiful. And that is abnormal behavior in an accelerator (laughs) environment, right? And you get things like folks coming that are non-religious or from other religions going, this is beautiful. What is this? What is that? Like, what is this? Why do you do this? And it's like, well, we do this because we think your identity really matters. And we think that you and others understanding, you know, that you're a whole person. Um, and, and we would want you to know that we think you're a whole person that is f- formed and, um, you know, birthed out of the image of the creator God. And then all of that where I'm from stuff boils down to I am a, a reflection of God's goodness in the world, and I have capacity for that. And how yeah. do I build a life that allows me to more truly and consistently reflect that goodness in the world? And then you get in. So if that's like a paradigm, then what's the posture and the practices of that? There's a founder named Leiden in Cincinnati. He runs a business. And going through the accelerator program years ago when Leiden went through it, man, it was it's immersive, it's intense, it's a it's a pressure, um, high pressure atmosphere, right? And and Leiden found that if if he was not volunteering at um, this this place in town called City Gospel Mission, um, that that he it was just not sustainable for him. That when he showed up mm. and he got his hands dirty and he volunteered and served food to homeless individuals, it filled his cup, right? And that was mm. a rhythm of rest that Leiden discovered that was really important. Um, 
we use a tool at Ocean called the Monk Manual. My friend Stephen Lawson is an incredible entrepreneur. It's an astonishingly cool product and e-commerce brand that Stephen has built. Mm. It's called the Monk Manual. And it's simply a journal, a, pro- product, a, a, a hardbound, leather, beautiful productivity tool that is about, uh, it's not an ego-driven or a task-driven thing. Uh, it's a purpose-driven uh, experience that you walk through. And, and we encourage all, we, we have Stephen come and speak and share about it. We give everyone a free monk manual for the four months they're in Ocean Accelerator. And, we, and we, then we kind of hold them to account and ask them how it's going and, hey, are you using it? And I've had founders mm-hmm. say, this monk manual thing is changing my life. Like wow. slowing down on Monday, reflecting on my week and saying, what is the, what's, what, what do I want to most be this week, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm a being before I'm a doing. What do I most want to be? What are the things that, right? So just tools, habits, practices, really practical things. Um, so we try to, first and foremost, James, we try to model that through our leadership, through, mm-hmm. through our program leadership, through the tools we offer, um, even even the um, you know, like the technology that we integrate in the program and the stuff that we introduce folks to. We have we have an alumni company called Cloverleaf. Cloverleaf is uh, an incredible tool that helps teams more effectively communicate by understanding each other better, right? So you take a series of assessment tools and then it begins to tell you a lot about yourself and the people around you. And hey, Luke, you're getting ready to have a meeting with James. And just so you know, James is a ENFP. And so he <laughs> receives information like this, or he's an Enneagram seven. So, and so are you. So man, there's a good chance you guys are just going to want to talk about fun stuff and like never get the work done. Right. Um, right. Uh, and, and, um, but, but at the core of what Cloverleaf's building, Kirsten and Darren, two incredible founders, have built an incredible company that has raised uh, a $9 million Series A, and we're super excited about what they're doing in the world. Um, at the core of what they're trying to do, man, they're trying to help people be more known, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what they're learning is, in the companies where people are using Cloverleaf, man, employee retention's good, you know, mm-hmm. um, because people feel really understood, Right. When you can communicate well to people because you know who they are and you can understand that before I start this meeting with her, it's really important that I say, hey, how was your weekend? Right. Boy, it just changes the work environment for her. And so even introducing our founders through the accelerator program and Genesis and other things that we do to to tools like that is a way of saying, hey, first and foremost, it's about people and on your teams and in the businesses you're building, helping people more be fully seen, known, heard and loved is the chief task of your job as a leader, mm. right? Mm. And yep. when people are more seen, known, heard, and loved, they are more loyal, <laughs> typically. They bring them their whole selves to that place. They, um, they, they wonder what it is about that place or that job or um, mm. your leadership that is so attractive. And that mm. probably opens the door for you to talk to them about uh, the aroma of Christ that is very attractive, mm. right? Yeah, it's so fascinating. Uh, Andy Crouch's new book, uh, which really looks at technology and his very first chapter, he talks about recognition and facial recognition. But he first, we, we hear that phrase now, we think technology, but he actually goes back and he says, when a baby is born, the very first quest that they have is to recognize, you know, who's, who's looking at them. And that they're trying to map out the world and the people around them. And, you know, um, that is inherent in us as people is to be recognized 
And so like, even as you are working with colleagues or you're building a business or building a company, everything that you just said of like the simple, but profound recognition of what people are doing around you and to impact others around them um, is substantial. And maybe that's the practice. Maybe that's one of the practices that we have that we put in place of recognizing what is happening around us. And again, you're, you're suddenly building this culture of uh, like recognition is such a word like love and tie is so tied to recognition, you know, in my mind. And so like, that's a very profound expression of love for people. Well, because it's communicating, I see you. I see mm. you are more than this task rabbit. I see that you are more than a developer, an engineer, or a marketer. I see you, right? And um, I see your unique gifting. I see the skills you have. I, it's a fun rabbit hole to go down. And I think an interesting exercise for if you're a believer, if you're listening to this, or uh, you want to explore what this looks like is, is you know, what are some really practical things that you can begin doing mm. that would just help um, the people around you know that you see them? A fun one is like, practice this. Practice giving really specific compliments. Mm. You know, not like, hey, man, good to see you today. Or, man, you're always such a nice guy. But, James, I, I, I really value um, the way when you start a meeting you say, hey, I want to set the agenda because I want to make sure that it's really it's really important that we use everyone's time well. Um, mm. And so this is what we're hoping to accomplish at the end of this meeting. James, I love when you mm. do that because, man, it tells me that you deeply care about my time and about um, the outcomes that we're all working towards here. So, man, thanks for modeling yeah. that. Dude, if you give that compliment to someone, they're uh, probably going to go, whoa, they recognize <laughs> that? <laughs> you know, that's so cool. It's powerful. Yeah. Give so I challenge anyone. If you're watching this, listen to this. Give a specific compliment to someone today, mm. and just see what happens. You know, yeah, that's cool. Um, what happens? Uh, you know, you've mentioned a few really cool, successful companies that, um, however, we were defining success, I guess. But in my mind, you know, raised a bunch, impacting. Like, what happens with all of us that have built stuff that failed? that didn't go anywhere or those of us listening that have applied for accelerators and don't get in and have tried to build stuff and they don't work um i feel like that that's really hard you know and that's like there's a challenge that comes with that you know sense of like oh i didn't get in or i didn't make it again or this thing i'm trying to build keeps failing and you know, like, what do we say to those of us that have been through that? Um, because I think that's just a really valuable conversation to have, too. Yeah. First, I say there's space for you and that you matter and that uh, you are not alone. Um, there's this fallacy or this easy trap to fall into of, like, everyone else out there is crushing it and I'm not. Um, right. and frankly, that's, that's part of the transparency model that we try to, to have at ocean, um, our accelerator environment, we try to make really non-competitive, like healthy competitive, man, I want to do great. Cause I, you know, uh, right. Healthy competition is good, but we don't want to build an environment where our startups 
our lying, our posturing, that everything's okay. I wish I could give everyone a glimpse into our Slack channel for Ocean Class 8 and the prayers channel, or the sh- we, have a, we have a hashtag struggles channel. And they regularly show up and go, I am really struggling, guys, both either personally or the business. I cannot figure this out, or our raise is not going well. And when you create an environment for people where they can show up and say, it's not all roses, yeah. that's good. And so if you have any agency or leadership or what, you know, if you have, if you're cultivating space for people, cultivate space where people can be vulnerable and real. Yeah. Because when we have to posture and when we're constantly sort of putting the rose colored lens on everything, we're just exacerbating the lie. Right. Yep. And ultimately, we're making, um, we're sort of digging our own grave because I think yep. the more you do that, that when the inevitable failure, if it is going to be inevitable, happens. And again, what is failure? Right. Is closing a business mm-hmm. failure? I, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that to be the case, right? Um, because if it, closing that business leads you down a path or employs down a path of more flourishing or to some greater outcome, or if that was a step in the journey, right? Um, I don't know that that's failure. So I, I don't want to uh, tie closing a business or shutting down an idea to you failed. First of all, you did not fail as a human, as a person, nor do I think necessarily that the endeavor was a failure. If you learned a lot, right? If you if you picked up a new set of tools, if you got it armed with a different orientation, if you now know better for your next thing, it is not a failure. It is a step forward. Um, yeah, the failure the failure is in the hardened heart. If yeah. that occurs, you know, the yes, failure is exactly. in that like you missed the transformation that God probably has for us exactly. in the midst of that that struggle, you know? Yes. And I guess what I'm saying is if you're cultivating an environment that doesn't allow people to be real about the struggles along the way, they probably will then harden their heart when it does close or when it Mm. doesn't come together the way they pictured it. Um, Whereas if you're cultivating space for people to just say, man, this is tough and I don't know, right? That when it happens, Mm. they're going to go, man, it didn't work out the way I wanted, but here, here, here's, 70 things I learned, (laughs) you know, and here's what I'm going to do next time. Uh, And so, you know, and then I, again, starts and ends with people, right? It goes back to identity for me over and over again. If you, if you conflate and you so deeply enmesh your identity with the role of that startup or that business or that thing, and you believe the lie that it's your dream and you care more about it than anyone ever. Um, and, and man, you, you really do. You, the more tightly enmeshed your identity is to the, the, the business, the model, the tool, the program, the startup, whatever. Um, mm. probably the more painful it's going to be and the harder time you're going to have picking yourself up and learning the lessons and saying, man, I can have a really positive outlook despite this not going the way I wanted. Yeah, one of the most complex half-truths that I believe Satan drives into this culture is that you can be whoever you want to be and or you can do whatever you want to do. And the reason I didn't call that a half-truth is I definitely think God can do whatever he wants through whoever he wants, whenever he wants, for whatever purpose (laughs) he wants. So truth in that concept. But the other side of it is like God has given us limitations as well with skills and abilities and knowledge. And, and so I think there's also that concept in like 
sometimes when things don't work out, you've tried it. I think part of the evaluation is going before God and others, family, community, and saying like, how is God built me? And how has he created me? And what are the areas that I am really good at and the other areas I am not good at? And maybe I'm not meant to be, you know, the founder of something. Maybe I'm a great, like, number two or I'm a great something else. And I think that's an important key valuation along that journey as well is pause, reflect, come before the Lord in prayer, scripture, family, friends, invite them into that, you know, discernment. Uh, process as well um, when those those moments come. But um, that's huge. Totally yeah. agree, and that's where I think those again. If you want to go to some of those prescriptive practices, right? Cultivating a healthy inner life, cultivating a mm. an, a firm understanding of your own gift, skills, um, the things God is teaching you. You know, um, are mm. you in Scripture? Are you are you letting the Word of God shape and mold your heart. James, before we started this podcast, you prayed and you said, you, you kind of, in the midst of your prayer, you even stopped and said, God, you taught me something really special in Isaiah this morning, right? Um, uh, are you doing things like that? Are you journaling? Are you, are you note-taking um, about the experiences you have? Are you reflecting? Are you pausing? Tools like the monk manual encourage all of that. And um, so I do think that the, you do need some practices some habits, mm. some, some rhythms that you um, fall back on and that you rely on. And mm. I, at, the, uh, at the core of all of those things, whatever those are for your life, it might be a walk in the woods for you. It might be a ride on your motorcycle through the country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I don't know what it is, but I think at the core of all of that kind of activity is that seeking the heart mm. of God um, and understanding of his um, his deep love for you and mm. the way he's gifted you to express that love back to the world. And you're right. It's not always what you see to your left and to your right. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, a tool that I've found really useful too. It sounds like monk manual is something to, to search. Another thing to search, um, is there's a ministry practicing the way. So this was started with John Mark Comer and right. uh, who's a pastor out of Portland they actually built this uh, tool, Rule of Life. It actually, Fake Tech Labs came alongside and helped build this tool with them, which is a cool side story That's where awesome. you can now go through this type form. I think it takes like 10 minutes. And then it gives you this rule of life around uh, daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, and monthly rhythms. It's almost like this assessment of what do you want as a practice, as a, a set of practices and habits right. for your life. And then it kind of, Here's this one page or you can kind of have or print out in the end. And so I think there's like tools like that and just really Praxis has a really great rule of life. Yes. Yeah. There's a few really good ones as well. So search like rule of life. And that concept is like what not so much the rules that I'm following, but it's like what is the way of life that I want to have that's following the way of Jesus and how he lived and the things he said we should do and how, how we live. And, and so that we, I think we all need that. And I think of entrepreneurs and I know from my journey, it's like, yeah, you can be going a mile a minute, say yes to everything. Like it's so hard to discern. And, and so like setting up some of those practices are just like, just so important. 
fundamental. Um, before we wrap up, I mean, what's next, man? I know we, we've been talking a bunch lately about what's next for oceans. And I know we're trying to figure out, hey, what are all the really cool ways we can start really practically collaborating because there's such synergy. Um, but what's coming up for you guys uh, before we kind of wrap up uh, our time? Yeah, uh, man, there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And I, I think we'll probably crack the door a little bit here maybe for, for the community of like some, some ways we're going to start showing up together a little bit more in the world, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, at Ocean, we're always hosting our Genesis program. It's kind of a, it's kind of constantly launching and starting. And so, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to, whether that's again Main Street, you know, to to, to Wall Street, whatever you're, whatever you're kind of thinking about, it could right. be a service business or an e-commerce thing or a t-shirt shop or a coffee business or whatever. Um, yeah, like reach out, let us know. We're always launching courses of that. People can jump in. Um, Accelerator Class 9 will be in 2023, so we'll be opening the application window soon for that, looking for high-tech, high-growth, venture-backable founders that and business ideas um, that, that want to come through this unique experience I've been talking about a little bit here on this, mm. this time together. Um, this this fall is going to be a busy season. We're going to be hitting the road with you guys, man. We're pumped. We're doing this uh, something called the Unpolished Tour and uh, mm-hmm. Ocean and Faith Tech are going to hit the road together. And I think we're going to at least 10 cities. Um, and and yeah. we're going to be showing up just to have a conversation <laughs> that is really simple. We're going to bring together leaders in entrepreneurship in those cities or in technology in those cities and say, hey, what are the real, like the gritty, raw, real, unpolished stories of this this life in this world? And how might your faith show up in the midst of that? How could it show up and make it... Um, help you make it through it and make it more sustainable. And it's going to be kind of part, you know, I think lessons and learning and fun and networking and being encouraged, frankly, by community, looking around a room and going, cool, man, I'm not alone. And uh, in the world of what I'm, I'm doing and trying to do this in this unique way of practicing the way of Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. So pumped. I mean, uh, if, if, anyone that's listening right now if you're like oh that was useful to some degree as it's been for me already um i mean that's what these uh joint events are are we're trying to aim is like this conversation extended out hearing other people's point of views other people's stories and again this is the kind of formative conversations we need to be having with others with ourselves, with god to say how do we form ourselves around the way of Jesus in this in this life. So yeah. Luke brother, amazing and, man. And hey, appreciate on, you. On that on that I know on our website it's going to be oceanprograms.com slash unpolished. So okay. that's where you awesome. people, and I'm sure you guys will have a similar link on your well, page. Well let's send them there. That sounds yeah. awesome. That's great. Um Blessings, brother. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate what you guys are doing, and thankful that we're getting to figure out ways to joint joint mission together. I love it. Um, blessings. We'll talk to you soon. It's awesome. Appreciate you guys. Luke Dooley. That was my conversation with Luke, man. Loved it. Love the honesty. I love things like, oh man, I'll never be able to go into a bathroom again and not clean up after. If you heard that part, um, that was amazing. And so just huge shout out. Thank you, Luke, so much for taking the time with me, brother. 
and looking forward to. Um, what's been really cool is starting right now, we're gonna be doing these um, uh, shared events with Ocean uh, across uh, America uh, over the fall of 2022 and into early 2023, where we're gonna gather together in fake tech cities uh, that we have community in and, and bring this gospel-centered, biblical way of thinking about entrepreneurship to our community. So excited for that. And uh, yeah, as you guys know, we're still trying to figure out how to get this going as a podcast and learning as we go through this. So if this has been impactful to you at all, um, this is something that you think a few friends might find valuable. Uh, can you send that off? That would be super helpful. Share it with somebody you know. Uh, go online and, and share a review. That would be really helpful. Let others see these amazing, important conversations that are happening. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time.